Well, this is the fifth Sunday of the month, and anytime we have one of those, we take it as a bonus Sunday. Not only do we get to hear a great redemption story as we did earlier today, but as you can see on the screens, we put aside our normal preaching, whatever we're doing, and we jump into one of the Psalms. That's Jewish poetry or lyrics from the Old Testament, and we look at one of those. And today, we'll be looking at Psalm 11. And I don't want you to miss it, so put on your listening ears, pay attention, and listen to this. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain, for behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. And that's it. It's not, a, it's not a long psalm, but I'll tell you what, there is a lot packed in there. Now to understand that psalm, and really it's structured like a lot of the psalms, to understand it, you're going to need to understand a meme like this right here. Kind of true, right? Like, now listen, I know it's a gender stereotype, and so it's not always true. There are exceptions to that. I, and some of you might be in the room going, hey, that's... But listen, I can tell you this, it's true in my household, right? And Shannon would be up here saying the same exact thing. It's true in our household. We tell stories a wee bit different. And so uh, we've been married 29 years. We've learned to live with each other in harmony. Uh, and the way that works is she gives me a gift. When she's going to tell a story, she gives me the punchline up front. Like the bottom line, like this is what it's all about. This is where we're going. And I, and I go, oh, thank you, honey. And it allows me to relax. Now, that doesn't mean I'm done because as a dude, I want to go, I'm out. Right? No, no, no. Now, I give her a gift and I listen to her long winding story. Right? Now, uh, I would, I'd say I relax, but I don't. She would throw the flag on that, like, you don't relax. I can tell you're not relaxed, but anyway. But I listen nonetheless because uh, that's blessing her. She has a need to tell the story. She has a lot of words to use up in a day, right? And so she's using those up. And, and so we, that's how we do it. Now, the reason I go into this is that is actually how a lot of the Psalms are structured. A lot of them give the punchline or the conclusion up front. Here's what it's about. Here's where we're headed. But then what it does is it backs up and then it gives you the long story that got you there. It gives you kind of like the hard thoughts and negative thinking uh, and then it says, okay, here's the truth from God that actually addresses that negative thinking that actually ends us up at the conclusion that I gave you in the very first sentence. That's how a lot of Psalms are structured. And that's how Psalm 11 is structured. In fact, it starts with this right here. In the Lord, I take refuge. Boom, there it is. That is the conclusion. That's the punchline to the entire Psalm. And a lot of husbands will look at that and go, Amen. I got it. I like that. Okay? So that's good. That's God meeting your need. After all, mas human masculinity was born in the very mind of God. But so is human femininity. 
Men and women equally made in God's image. Both of those came out of God. And so go figure, when God has King David record this psalm of his, then it goes on and it's going to give a long winding road that got to that conclusion right there. So the kind of longer explanation starts at the next part of verse 1 and goes through verse 3, and you can see it up there. You've already had it read to you. And basically what you see there are all these horrible or these negative thoughts that King David was having. And one of them is he, it starts out, he says, how can you say to my soul? Not how can you say to me, not how can you say to my ears, but to my soul. So this is going on inside of him. Folks, this is negative self-talk. That's what's going on there. Now, David has advisors, and he's likely under duress, and the advisors maybe gave him advice, whatever. Whether you heard it from somebody else originally or not, either way, this is bouncing around inside his brain. How can you say these things to my soul? These are lies that get whispered that we believe that bounce in our mind. And big one is flee, little birdie. You are just a weak little bird. It's all you are. Flee, little birdie. Now, I actually, I I love birds. I've got three bird feeders. One is outside my study at my house, the backyard. One's uh, out the big window in front of our house where our table is, and we eat dinner and all that, and there's a bird feeder there. And I recently put one outside my office here at the church. I love birds. Birds are beautiful. Birds can fly. How cool is that, right? Now, with the exception of birds of prey, which, which are exceptional, but uh, most birds, the birds we know, normal birds, have you ever held one? There's nothing there. It's like all bone and wings. They're like nothing. The point is birds are weak. Fly away, little, you're just a little weak bird. It's all you are. That's what's going on there. <laughs> at, at our uh, house, uh, on the, the one out front, there are a lot of bushes around it. And there's a cat in the neighborhood that sits under one of the bushes waiting to pounce and eat the birds. Like I need another reason to hate cats, right? Just add that one to the long list. But it does. And so what the birds do is they just fly away when he's there. Why? Because, you know, one of the things about birds, they have no offense. They have no defense. The only thing they can possibly do is fly away. And so here it is, the negative self-talk. You're just a weak little bird. Fly away, little birdie. And fly away where? It says fly to your mountain. Notice it's not fly to the mountains or fly to God's mountain. No, no, no. Fly to your mountain. And so what this is starting to introduce is the idea of all the solutions, human solutions that we make up, that we try to trust in. And there's a lot of them. And look at this list here. You want to flee to your mountains, right? Denial, justification, accusation, bluster, pride, boasting, withdrawal, hiding, Blaming, gossip, anger, bitterness, moral compromise, addiction, vice, worldly identity, self-protection. And when the crap hits hits the fan in your life, you want to fly away to those things. Fly to your mountain, little birdie. Fly away. After all, the the passage also says, if you look at it, the, the wicked will shoot you in the dark. Which means the wicked are in control. And they'll shoot you in the dark, which means you're blind. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. Because it says in there, the foundations will be destroyed, which means nothing lasts, nothing is stable, nothing is solid, nothing is trustworthy, not even people. They all betray. It will crumble. It will fall. 
And listen, I think a lot of you probably feel that uh, because most of you in this room are Christians. And we, we tend to think of this, uh, of America as a Christian nation, but we're not the primary influence on the country anymore. Maybe you figure that out. And it, and it feels like it's just crumbling and falling apart and it gets mixed with politics. We go, oh no, it's crumbling. The foundations are being destroyed. What can we do? There's nothing you can do to stop it. Nothing. Fly away, little birdie. So these are some of the negative thoughts that, that King David is hearing whispered in his soul. Maybe you can relate to those, but I think we all have them. Here's some typical ones. You're not enough, and you never will be. Or, or we hear, you are broken beyond repair because of your past. You are unworthy. God could never love you. People shouldn't love you. You're unworthy. You're disgusting. Shame on you. Oh, by the way, side note, conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Shame comes from the devil. You're disgusting. Shame on you. And you're a fake. If, if people only knew the true you, nobody would even spend time with you. Fly away, little birdie. These thoughts, they bounce around in our soul. And so what King David's going to do next is he's, he's going to say, hey, these things, these things that we've been looking at, we've got to get to some truth. Because when you look at these negative thoughts here, do you notice what's missing? There's no mention of God there at all. We're in the Bible, people. <laughs> but in our negative self-talk, like a lot of times, there is no mention of God. God is factored out. And so it's all about you and your abilities and strengths and or lack therein. It's about the wicked and their strengths and ability. And then it's about the foundations that are crumbling in the mountains we trust in. Where's God in all that? And so the last part of the psalm, King David, David is going to take us away from this, these lies, these whispers in our soul, and he's going to take us to the truth. And so here is the rest of the psalm. Uh, I think I mislabeled it. I think that actually starts in verse 4. But it's all there for you. And, and the first thing you'll notice is it talks about God's existence. Uh, it says the Lord. Okay, in four, five verses, it says the Lord three times. Also, in the, in the conclusion in verse one, it, it, it says in the Lord I take refuge. So, so the Lord is mentioned four times in this short psalm. Each time it's in all caps. That's an indication that it's referring to Yahweh, the proper name that God revealed to Moses. God exists. That's the point. God exists. And so in God's perspective, if it can crumble, if it can fail, if it can go away, it was never the foundation to begin with. God's the foundation. And so factor God in. When you're hearing all that, factor God into it. God exists. And then it talks about his presence. Okay, just because God exists out there in the universe doesn't help me that much. But notice where it says he is in his holy temple. Now, Maybe that doesn't sound like a big deal to you, but to an Israelite, that's huge. Because God, what he did is he had them build first a tabernacle and then a temple, and it was in there that his manifest presence on earth dwelt, which meant he said, you're my people, I'm your God, I'm going to be with you. I am with you. I am with you. This is the presence of God in your life, and when you're hearing those whispers, you've got to remember he is with you. And 
he's kind of permanent. Speaks of the permanence of God. It says that his throne is in heaven, which means it's unshakable, it's stable, it's solid, it's eternal. Jesus is never threatened. So when you're going through crap and all those lies are being whispered, you understand Jesus is never freaking out. His throne is in heaven. Now, we are tempted to think of this uh, world is real. And then like God's kingdom and heaven and all that, that's like a misty, ethereal dream thing, less real. We got to reverse those. Understand God and his kingdom are way more real than this world will ever be. God is real. And, and so he is permanent. He's not going anywhere. Okay, fine. So, so he's present and he's not going anywhere, but does he see what's going on in my life? Yeah, look at it in there. It talks about his sight. His sight. He is El Roy, the God who sees. So if he's on this permanent throne in heaven, maybe deism is true. Maybe he's dispassionate. Maybe he's detached. Maybe he doesn't see. Maybe he doesn't care. No, no, no. No, no, he sees. He sees what's going on. And he desperately cares about it. In fact, he's going to render his judgment. Speaks about it in those verses. He will judge. Justice will be done eventually, okay? It's not a matter of if justice will be done, but when will it be done? Justice will be done. And so one of the questions that comes up in this psalm is this. It talks about the righteous, and it talks about the wicked. Two groups, two classes of people, right? Now, uh, the question is, what's the difference between the righteous and the wicked? Is it that the wicked sin and the righteous don't? Oh, Lord, have mercy. We know that ain't true, right? So what's the difference? The difference is repentance. That the righteous are those who, in verse 1, in the Lord I take refuge. They repent. So what you have in verses 5 through 6 then in there is God is rendering his judgment. It's kind of a holy crap kind of moment if you take it all in. I mean, look at it. It says, the Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked, and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. Okay, I want to make sure I'm in the righteous camp, right? Here's a question. Do you love violence and wickedness? Because there's a difference between those who occasionally sin, oh yeah, absolutely, but love God, repent, humble, teachable, growing, longing for God. There's a difference between them and those who love sin, love violence, love wickedness. And and justice will be done. God will render his judgment. Now listen, we're mid-trial. Like right now it's like, where's that judgment? Can we have some justice please? Hey, listen, we're mid-trial. The judge has not come back in and rendered his judgment yet, but he will. That is a solid foundation. That is a certain foundation. He's going to come back and render his judgment. And we know that's going to be true because of who he is. And so this psalm also speaks about his character right there at the end. It says that he is righteous and he loves righteous deeds. That's who he is. Unfortunately, that's not who we are. Uh, if we're honest, human history is full of rape, murder, 
genocide, torture, oppression, theft, war, bloodshed, corruption, slavery, abuse. Do you watch the news? Like, this world is a mess. I feel bad for the animal kingdom that has to share this planet with us. Right? We're a mess. See, good and evil are real things. They're, they're real. And yet, we... And by the way, they're anchored in the very character of God. That's the issue. They're anchored in the character of God, who he is. He determines what is good. And yet, we think, on a day-to-day basis, we think we're smarter than God. Right? And we think we can call good what he calls evil and call evil what he calls good. And then we get lost and bogged down and things become murky and muddy and squishy until, until we come back to the very character of God himself. Again, good and evil are anchored in the character of God. And things like good and evil might shift in the eyes of the wicked, but it never really shifts in the universe. It's solid in who God is. His character is part of it. And then lastly, these truths that answer the lies that whispered, he gives us his promise. And his promise is that we will see him. For those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ, in the Lord I take refuge, we will see him face to face. That day's coming. By the way, that's the glory of heaven. That's the reward of heaven right there that we get to see God. And it becomes kind of a good line in the sand. Like, are you looking forward to heaven because you get to see your God face to face? Or are you looking forward to heaven because you get to run away from God to paradise and get all his goodies? See that? In any case, we know how the story ends. Listen, you might be hearing a lot of lies being whispered in your soul right now because you're in a hard chapter. Right? There's a lot of hard chapters. Every good story has hard chapters, has conflict, has suspense, has nail-biting chapters that are hard chapters to read. And God's a great author, and he writes good stories. But we know how the story ends. The ending is solid. The ending won't be shaken. It's already written in the mind of God. He's given us his promise. His judgment will come. He will take us home, and we get to see him face to face. So when we hear all those little lies being whispered in our soul, what we got to do is we got to go to the truth of God. This is where we should turn because these things will not be shaken. So what this psalm talks about is that God tests us. And in those times, he's saying, listen, are you going to listen to the lies and fly away, little birdie, to your little mountain? Is that what you're going to do? Or will you believe in the truth of God and trust in God himself? Another way of looking at it is this. Will you focus on the size of your problems or the size of your God? Which will it be? You remember the story of Peter in the gospel that he got to actually walk on water with Jesus? None of the other disciples got out of the boat, but Peter got out and walked on water with Jesus, and he was totally fine so long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, right? But then there's a moment where he looks around at his problems, at the winds and the waves, and, and he starts to sink. Will you focus on the size of your problems or on the size of your God? Now you, uh, maybe you'll never walk on the water with Jesus, but you've walked through a pandemic. And boy, when that thing kicked up, didn't we all hear the little whispers? Fly away, little birdie. Fly to your mountain. Run away. Better freak out. 
I'm not talking masks or no masks. I don't care. I, I'm not talking vax or no vax. That's not the issue. Whichever way you go, listen. Was there a calm in the storm that Jesus is on his throne and I'm going to be okay eventually? Or was there a flee, little birdie? Flee. <laughs> so then we get to a whole bunch of what ifs. What if? What if the Delta variant wipes us out? What if there's another virus? What if, what if your, your kid uh, starts taking drugs? What if your kid starts selling drugs? What if your kid ends up dead? What if you are a kid? What if your girlfriend breaks up with you? What if your boyfriend breaks up with you? What if you don't make the team? What if your grades aren't good enough? What if your spouse leaves you? What if you lose your job? What if the bills pile up and, and you go bankrupt? What if? What if? What if? And David said, how can you whisper those lies to my soul? In light of what is true, in light of what is solid, in light of what will not change, don't listen to the lies. Don't freak out. A.W. Tozer put it this way. He said, while it looks like things are out of control, behind the scenes there is a God who has not surrendered his authority. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Now, listen though, don't be fake, right? When you're in those hard chapters, I don't want, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord, Jesus is on his throne. Shut up. (laughs) Listen, I want you in that moment to get with your brothers and sisters in Christ and be honest and, and, and together pray to the Lord and say, God, this stinks. This is hard. And honestly, I don't see you right now, God. And I I don't see things working out. But I want to trust you. And I'm struggling. And so, God, would you please remind me of your existence, your presence, your permanence, your sight, your judgment, your character, and your promise. Would you remind me, God? And you're going to have to make a choice. Which voice are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the little whispered lies in your soul? Or will you allow the voice of the truth of God to be louder? Let it echo louder inside of you. Now, for that to happen, you're going to have to rehearse the truth. You're going to have to repeat the truth. You're going to have to meditate on the truth and focus on it. And the reason why is because we tend to drift and we have to pull back. <laughs> okay. So for example, right now, you all get it, right? Like you're so focused on the truth, you've got it. About 20 minutes from now, you'll be driving to Wingfest cussing at your kids. <laughs> we drift so fast. And we have to be reminded, we have to pull back, we have to pull back to the truth of God. And one of the things that is so helpful in that is music. Remember, the Psalms are actually songs. The Israelites knew it, so they sang these truths to encode them. Let me show you how effective it is. How many of you can complete this? Eight, six, seven, five. Some of you even sang it. Bonus points right there. Eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. Now, some of you are too young for that. Some of you, though, you know that cold. Now, listen, it was not your phone number. It wasn't your parents' phone number. It wasn't your job's phone number. It wasn't anybody's phone number that you knew. You never even called. Well, that's not true, right? <laughs> we all called it once. 
right? We all called him. Why do you know that number? Because you sang it over and over, and it got inside. And so when we, as the assembled people of God, the church, when we worship and sing, this is why we engage. We don't just stand there as the frozen chosen. We, we engage, and the reason why is because not only are we lifting up and exalting and worshiping our God, but we are encoding truths about God that would echo inside our soul so that when we hear the whispered lies, we would remember, God is for you. God is for you. He is for you. He is for you. And we would remember these truths right here, that God's existence, presence, permanent sight, judgment, character, and promise. And then we would end where the psalmist began, in the Lord, I take refuge. All right? That's what I want. In fact, what I want to do, we're going to sing here in a moment. Stand with me, if you will. Let me pray for us. Father God, if we're honest before you, life is hard. And there are really, really hard chapters, Father God. And in the midst of those times, we hear the lies whispered in our soul, and they bounce around in there. If we're more honest with you, we, we respond to them all too often and run away to our stupid mountains. Yet we want to be honest with you right now and say, Father God, we, we want you to... Shout your truths in our soul louder and prouder so they echo and they overcome the lies. And that's why we want to sing out to you, Father God, that we would not only lift you up, but that we would be reminded that you are for us, that you are for us. We love you, Father God. Help us listen to you and not to the lies and therefore follow you well. And I pray for that in Christ's name. Amen.